Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. And thanks for joining me for another inspiring, uplifting, transformational conversation, because that really is the purpose of The Love Code. This is a show that is dedicated to reconnecting you to this unlimited, magical being that you are, I would say. It's, uh, it's an opportunity to be inspired to help us remember that we truly are unlimited, connected to a profound source of infinite possibilities, as I like to say, where anything can be healed and transformed. That's the truth of who we are. And this show is to remind you of that truth. So you will be open to the possibilities to heal any aspect of your life that is causing you any degree of pain, discomfort, despair, because we truly have access to the ability to heal anything. And I certainly can tell you from my experience that that is the truth. So today we have another wonderful conversation. We're going to be talking about healing your ancestral roots with my guest, Anurada Dayal Gulati, who... Um, well, she's an amazing woman, and let me just share a little bit about her. She's a certified energy practitioner specializing in ancestral and emotional healing. Anu came to the U.S. to earn her Ph.D. in economics and then stayed on. After 15 years in finance and academia, she left to help people create the life they want. Her training in ancestral healing work helps people release the past and reclaim their power. So we are in for a great conversation, and it's my pleasure to welcome Anurada, who we will just call Anu, <laughs> with her permission, uh, on the show. So Anu, it's so wonderful to have you. Welcome to The Love Code. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's my pleasure to be here with you. You know, um there's so many interesting things we can talk about because you have put together a, a, a beautiful book called Heal Your Ancestral Roots, Release the Family Patterns That Hold You Back. And there's uh, so much information in here, and we'll get to all of that as our conversation continues. But I, I always like to begin these conversations, Anu, with um, asking my guests the journey of their of their life, you know what? You know, tell us about you and your background and the those pivotal moments that change the direction of your life. I mean, obviously, you know, you have a PhD. You were yeah, finance. <laughs> you can't get more left brain than finance. <laughs> and and yet, you have a totally different destiny right now that you've created. So share share with us a bit of that journey. Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't a linear journey, and um, I don't think I ever realized that this was going to happen, but when it happened, it happened in a very um, traumatic way. I had a health problem, and I had to go into the ER, and I came out of it, and I thought, you know, I have to get back to life as usual, put this behind me, and carry on. But then one night, out of nowhere, I had to go back into the ER. And that's when I started to wonder, like, am I going to be okay? What is going on? And I started to feel a little scared. But I came out, and unbelievably, I had to go in for a third time. And it's when I went in the third time that I could start to feel, like, this sense of, despair sweeping over me and feeling really frightened. And I could tell from the doctor's faces that they didn't really know what was going on. And it, and it's just like they started to sink in, like, am I really going to be okay? But I had a very dear friend, and she came to see me in the hospital. And she was into alternative healing. And she came to see me, and she held my hand, and she looked at me, and she said, Anu, what is it going to take for you to try something new? What is it going to take for you to change? And I realized at that moment, like, 
how many times was I going to go through this before I was willing to change the trajectory of my life? And I literally willed myself out of the hospital and I began to explore alternative methods of healing. So I found this amazing Chinese medicine doctor and I discovered flower essences and those two things together, they changed the trajectory of my life. It saved my health and it put me on a completely new path. And I don't think I realized then that I was going to leave academia, but it was inevitable. It was going to happen. And it finally did like a few years later. So that's what brought me here today. So, um, so before you had that episode that took you to the emergency room three times, I mean, were you living a stressful life? Were you, you know, living a life that had great demands on it? Where you were really involved in in work and, you know, not paying attention to yourself as a result? Um. So I think what had happened is I I had a miscarriage and I had found out that I was pregnant and 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 happened, my whole family was scattered everywhere. I was with my son visiting um, a, a friend in England. My mother and sister happened to be in the U.S., but in D.C. My father was in India. My husband had gone. Uh, on work to South America. So we were all over the globe. And I came back to a very different world. I remember my shock there in London, but then I came back to a very different world. And um, I think I lost hope. Um, you know, is this a world to bring a child into? And I don't think I realized it at that moment, but the shock was so great and it's only having gone into the ER three times it's what made me realize how important hope is in our life and how important it is to keep that flame of hope alive and that really became my mission to help people recover a sense of hope to feel that they are never powerless and that they can create change and as you said, right at the start of the show, Cheryl, you know, we are meant to live lives of infinite possibility. But at that moment, I didn't see how that could be possible. And I think that is what it was. It was a, it was really, I know 9-11 was a turning point for many people. Um, and I guess I was part of that too. Um, but in a deep way, it showed me that hope is really important in our life. So interesting because as much as it it was definitely a, a global trauma that happened, but in your case, it, it was the, um, the, the process that initiated your awakening to your spiritual path. Yes, I would definitely say that. And I, I think that's always so important to, um, you know, to, to explore in, in these conversations because when you are in the depths of hopelessness and despair, when we have dramas in our life, I mean, I, I remember going through my dark night of the soul. And when you are in those places where you feel that you have lost any sense of hope or direction, um, you don't know who you are anymore. You don't know, you know, just <laughs> which end is up, so to speak. You know, it's it, it, and it can be initiated by anything. It could be initiated by someone dying in the family, death of a relationship, or, or you know, just some melancholy that happens for whatever reason. Um, it actually is, uh, it's important to have a context for people to understand what's going on. And for me, when I was in those really dark places when I didn't know who I was anymore and I just felt there was, you know, the old world didn't work for me, I didn't know if there was anything else, is to understand that's really this 
profound transformational moment in one's life where the old identity, the old ego is being transformed by this process of the spiritual essence of ourselves, whatever we want to call it, the soul that has taken us to this moment where we can really free ourselves from the the limitations that we've operated with and see a whole new potential. And I just, I want to say that, and I'm sharing that for people listening, because everyone goes through those times, right? I mean, you went through it. That was a pretty scary time, that um, that whole process yeah. that you shared after 9-11 and mm-hmm. all, what it brought up in you and then how it affected your body that got you, you know, miscarriages and hospitals and in that moment, you you didn't understand it, right? And in that moment, mm-hmm. when you were in that deep dark place, there was, you know, you didn't even, you didn't even know how to get out of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I and I think um, I don't know that there's only one dark time that comes. I think there's many dark times, but you learn the lesson that the darkness is an invitation to go inward. And find the light. And that's kind of, um, you know, once you start to recognize that that's something that you're going to do, then you start to search for what the darkness is leading you to or where it's guiding you. And it becomes like a doorway into something else. And I think the first time is really hard because you're groping and you're not sure where you're going. But then after that, you start to say, oh, yeah, I know. I just got to feel the walls and find my way out. Uh, I can I can follow even a pinhole of light and keep going. I love the way you describe that. That's so true, you know. And it's like learning how to navigate life. And um, this is these moments of uh, feeling lost despair, whatever, are, are part of the growth process, you know, we're not really taught this <laughs> early in our life, right? We we have to kind of learn it when we hit those walls and go into it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't have a ro- we're not given a roadmap. We could be given a roadmap if we were um, educated with a spiritual perspective, but most of us kind of, you know, have to learn as we go through these processes. And and uh, and realize, as you said, that if it, the more the more resourceful we become, the more we learn, the more we understand what's happening, the um, the, the more gentle the process is for the gift that's waiting us for us. Yeah, yeah, I, that's so true. And I think also the other thing is when we are going through it, you know, there are little things um, that start to happen that are guiding us. Because, right, you said no one teaches us, Cheryl, and that is so true because from the time that we're children, what we're really learning is to live by the rules of the world. But the rules of the world, you know, partly is just cultural conditioning or conditioning from whatever is happening. And part of it is, you know, we are constantly told to, you know, we need to reward ourselves, we deserve this, we deserve that, and we're subject to images, you know, whether it's on television or magazines or anything, Um, TikTok, media, uh, we start to believe that that's kind of what it should be, Um, but that's where, and then we sort of have this disconnect when it isn't quite that way. And we're thinking, oh, there's something wrong with us, there's something wrong with me. But actually, it's something wrong with with the images and the story that we're being constantly fed. Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, and uh, you know, uh, there there are many new models emerging where we can teach children, even teaching them to meditate when they're just toddlers, which has been happening with great success, and you know, helping to manage their internal states and make more resourceful human beings out of them. So it's time, and I think, yeah. you know, your work, and we'll talk about your work and what you have written about and uh, some of the insights that you have gained and wisdom to support us and hopefully the more 
you know, grandparents learn, parents learn, the more they can share it with their children. So, mm-hmm. so you have Indian, so you have an Indian heritage, right? So, um, mm-hmm. did you grow up in India or were you overseas somewhere? No, I grew up in India. Um, I grew up pretty much most of my life in North India until I went to study in England um, for a year for my master's degree. And then I came to the U.S. But until then, I had been in India. I lived there my whole life. And, And that's really shaped a lot of your understanding, your spiritual understanding, and, and how you incorporate it in your work, right? Yeah, I, I, I think this is the other part. Like when you're in something, you don't quite know because you haven't seen anything different. And when I came to the U.S., I came as a student, and there were so many things that were different, but I didn't quite understand it, and I couldn't put my finger to it. I had no words. But when I started training in ancestral healing work, that's when, you know, it's like all of these gears in my brain started to, like, connect together and shift, and I started to get the framework for how I had grown up, how I had seen things, and how it was different and what was going on. And, you know, a lot of pieces that I hadn't been able to articulate, that I hadn't had a framework for, started to come together. And that is how I ended up writing the book. I didn't plan to write a book, but um, when I would go for the ancestral healing work or the training, I would come back and write and write and um, that's how it kind of emerged. It wasn't something I was really planning on. So can you give an example of that, of uh, of how your traditional spiritual, you know, cultural teachings have been understood in a new way, but, in, you know, appreciating them for how profound they are? Yeah, so... You know, I went for the ancestral training work because when I started seeing clients for emotional healing uh, as a flower essence practitioner, I started to notice these patterns that that were showing up from one generation to the next. So, you know, I had a client who came in and she wanted to improve her relationship with her daughter. And her daughter had graduated and moved to the West Coast and didn't want to really have so much to do with her. And uh, so she came to me because she wanted help with that relationship. But as we explored and talked, it turned out that she wasn't on speaking terms with her own mother. Um, So, you know, this was a pattern that extended across generations. And then I started to notice patterns in my own life, how my mother, my sister, and I, uh, each of us lived in cities that we hadn't grown up in, that we didn't really go to school in. And, you know, there was a sense of not belonging in the dominant culture. Like, you know, how are we here? Um, And so when I started to look at that, I was like, what is going on? And that's how I ended up in the ancestral healing work. But what I noticed is what that work was about the fact that there are these uh, laws that govern uh, families or family energy. And that it's not just your parents and grandparents. Your family um, is those who came up to seven generations before. That's what we believe in the Eastern traditions and the Native American traditions. And then I realized, like, oh, this is why we have rituals that honor the ancestors in India. And then, of course, I discovered they're in other parts of the world. And all of that started to make sense. What I discovered is, you know, there's a way in which we treat the elders in our society, um, especially parents, like the idea of respect, of honoring them. Um, and I realize this is all part of um, how you work with the ancestral field. This is how you work. If you want your life to succeed, if you want your life to be, you know, achieve its potential, you don't do that by cutting off your roots. You do that by honoring your roots. And that's kind of what I what I really deeply understood. That's you know that that is such a foreign concept to Westerners, right? It's so 
foreign. I think part of the reason why it's so foreign to like you know Americans, Australians, English, because we don't know past two, if you're lucky, three generations. You know, I have no idea who. I know my grandparents. I knew I, you know, they were in my life. Uh, I have no recollection of my great grandparents, and I don't have much information beyond that. So it's so different than in Indian culture or Native American culture or many other cultures where and the ancestors and honoring the ancestors is an integral part of their um, spiritual understanding. I I think Cheryl, you know. It is true that I think some people know their whole lineage, like, you know, up to however, maybe up to seven generations before. But a lot of people don't because immigration, war, famine, starvation, you know, all of these things have been so much a part of human history that it's not that everybody really knows who their ancestors are. And this is what I discovered is that the rituals, you know, allow you to honor your ancestors even if you don't know who they are. Even if you don't just up to your parents or grandparents, you can still honor your ancestors because you honor the lineage. And it's um, the lineage is not just your parents and grandparents. It includes aunts, uncles, like people who, you know, who you may not have thought of including before. So it's a very mm-hmm. interesting and expansive concept. If your family, if you've been adopted, I mean, your biological family as well as your adopted family become part of your lineage. So it's a very wide and um, expansive concept. So what is it that you um, receive when you when you you move into this understanding of this um, ancestor? that ancestral connection and influence, and we'll talk about the influence. So, so what, what is your understanding of the, the gift that you receive when you bring this ancestral awareness and honoring into one's life? Well, uh, let me flip that, Cheryl, and, and say, uh, you know, when think of something you want um, or anyone, you know, when you think of something you want, whether it's a relationship, financial success, um, career success, a professional goal, when you, or when you want something and you feel like you've tried really hard to get it, and despite your best efforts, you feel as if something is stuck, something is just not moving, that's when it's something that didn't begin with you. This is probably something emerging from your ancestral energy field. And working with your ancestral energy field by honoring them, by honoring your ancestors, you allow them to move on in their spiritual evolution. And when that happens, you actually lift the ceiling on your own life. Your life starts to get better. Your life starts to shift and open up. And that's the gift that comes from working with your ancestral lineage. Well, interesting, huh? It's, it's interesting, you know. It's um, uh, I, uh, I I'm always open. <laughs> I'm always open to exploring new possibilities, right? And and new new ways of understanding this reality, which is uh, so far beyond our. <laughs> our ability to comprehend. So, so this is this is something that would be of value for people to be open to considering. And and if if people wanted to explore this, so that they know their ancestors, you know, there's really so many influences in who we are, right? Anu, I mean, there's mm-hmm. the ancestral lineage, there's the past life lineage, it's the influence of the. You know, like you said, 9-11, the field we're in, in this dimension, there's so many influences. So, um, you know, how how would one go about it if you've never thought about this and it was never part of your lineage, but you're open to exploring that this may be um, something that could empower you in your life and can open possibilities 
where would a person begin? Um, you know, a person would begin by noticing either what they're stuck with or the patterns that are appearing in their life or patterns that have appeared um, across generations. And these are the things that I talk about in my book. Like, how do you identify the patterns in your life? How do you, there are exercises to help you do that. And then I, um, then I lay out, like, what are the different ways in which you can honor your ancestors and start to lift the burden of these patterns. And, um, you know, it might be most helpful if um, I, I share a story about a client. And before that, you know, the question that you said of past lives and, you know, all of this, I think, you know, in the East, we think of soul karma, as your, the karma you've come to heal in this lifetime. Um, yeah, so Cheryl, maybe I can share the story of my client uh, who came to see me. Um, she actually came because her son had quit his job, and she was worried about him. And then she realized that there was a pattern in her family where her two daughters were the primary breadwinners, and she herself was the primary breadwinner. And she was afraid that this was a pattern that was happening in her family. And as we talked about it, she realized that her mother was the primary breadwinner as well as her grandmother. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But the men were not carrying their weight in the relationship. This was a pattern that was existing in this family. And she also carried these feelings of resentment, of shame, of anger towards her father, towards her son-in-law, and she wanted to control her son. So as we realized this, you know, she started a practice of honoring her ancestors, of... Um, recognizing that, you know, perhaps there was this reason why this was the way it was. And as she started to do the practice, she also worked on releasing the feelings of anger, shame, resentment. And she did that with the help of the flower essences. And she started to get into this more peaceful place. And she stopped trying to control her son as well. And as she did this, uh, one day her son called her. And he said, Mom, I just want to let you know I've gone back to work. I don't know what came over me. I don't know what I was thinking. And, you know, she was really thrilled. But when you think about it, when I heard the words, I don't know what came over me, and I'm never going to do this again, that's when I realized, like, the family energy field had shifted. Now, she didn't have to do anything with her son or her, you know, her ancestors who had passed. I mean, there was nothing she had to do to fix anybody. Just honoring her ancestors and working to release the feelings where she was able to create change in her life, in her son's life. I mean, that's how powerful ancestral work is. That's a you great can create example. a lot of change. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what you can do. Uh, you know, it's always powerful to be reminded that you really can't change anyone else. You, you know, you can't forcibly, externally, in this three-dimensional reality, make someone be different than how they are or what they're going through. But if you change the energy within yourself, it has the ability to change the, the pattern that's holding the reality that you're in into a different expression, so to speak. That's how I that's how I would say. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's so much so many times we're always trying to fix or change somebody else, but that's really hard to do. Um but oh, recognizing I would say, I would say impossible on <laughs> Yeah. Impossible. That's right, Cheryl. It is impossible. <laughs> and yet when you stop doing that it's amazing how much power you have to create change. You know, um, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of um, psychotherapy as a, as a therapist and uh, working with a lot of these understandings in the various workshops that I would do. And I always remember one particular experience that was so profound because this woman did come into the workshop so angry, so angry at her boss that she just felt so unappreciated 
and she was going to quit after she finished the weekend. She was going to go back to the office and just say, I've had enough. I don't, you know, you don't never acknowledge me. I work so hard. I never get any thank you, nothing. I'm out of here. So she did this personal transformational weekend that, um, that I was facilitating. And in that experience, she recognized that that was the relationship she had with her father. And in the process, she was able to, you know, forgive and just release that that energy and that hurt and that wound. And um, when she went back to the office on Monday, you know, there were these flowers sitting on her desk, and the, um, the there was a note from her boss that said, "Thank you. I just want to appreciate you for all the great work you do." I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> she didn't know what was going on. She shifted that energetic pattern that she was creating she she was creating it to be unappreciated because of the past right yeah and this is how the patterns show up in our life it's not just a pattern with the boss that pattern existed somewhere else in your family in this case with her father i love the story cheryl and you know the part about the flowers and the note of appreciation um, it's actually a sign of shift from the ancestral realm. Something shifted in the invisible world as well. Just her forgiving her father or, you know, letting go of that resentment or anger and the need for what she wanted. It creates these shifts in the visible world. And this is what I meant, like the ceiling on your life starts to lift. That's the most powerful outcome you start to see. Yes, that's uh, you know that's so that's so profound in this understanding of the power we have to heal our life, to move forward in a way that really brings us greater joy and fulfillment. So it leads me to, to ask you um, two questions, just relating to your work and to your book. So, you know, is there anything else we need to know about how to create ancestral healing? working with our ancestors, and then we can talk more about the role of flower essences as well. Yeah, so in the book, I actually offer a couple of different ways of working with the ancestral um, realm and how you can shift that energy um, by creating altars, offering prayers for the well-being of our ancestors, and doing things um, to honor them. But I think what I'd like to share is um, perhaps maybe how uh, how we can honor the ancestors. And this, um, you know, Alberto Violdo was a Cuban medical anthropologist, Cuban-American, and um, he found these ancestral altars in South America. And he said, you know, we thought these were for ancestor worship. But they really are a way of knowing where your ancestors are. Because if you don't know where they are, they're running amok, ruining your life. And um, so he said, you know, in the Western tradition, we thought of ancestor worship as you're praying to your ancestors. But really, what I have come to understand is that you're not praying to your ancestors. You're praying for your ancestors. So... When you create an ancestral altar, like, first of all, don't put it in your bedroom. Put it anywhere outside, like maybe a hallway or any other room. And, you know, you can do create a, an altar by putting a small table or a little shelf, put a piece of cloth on it that represents something from your heritage or just simply the color red or anything that appeals to you. And you can bring in anything to represent your ancestry, whether it's you know, something from the part of the world you're from or objects from nature. It doesn't even have to be images of your ancestors. And honoring them just simply by using the elements, like the element of water, you know, flowers, uh, candles, um, a sound, whether it's, you know, a chime or a bell or some music, those Elements help lift the frequency of the altar, help allow the souls of your ancestors to move up. And um, 
in India, we don't really have ancestral altars, but we do have altars, and a lot of homes have altars. And what I realized is that an altar is a way to anchor the energy of the home. So, you know, when you create an altar, it becomes a place where you stop with gratitude, you express your sorrow, you express um, whatever, you know, ask for help for what you want. So in a similar way, an ancestral altar can be a way in which you find a way to lift um, the energies of your ancestors, so they're not hang, hanging around you wreaking havoc. And so that's just one thing I wanted to share from the book that anybody can do, and it's very simple and very easy to do. And, and when you make an altar, if you did that, um, so you just would create a, a space and, and design it any way you want. It just could be a candle. It could be. It doesn't. It's not so much what the what the what the items are is that intention to have a place, and then you would just what what would you what would you do? Would you um, just ask for guidance, for forgiveness, for gratitude? How 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 would a person you know? Yes, um, yeah, you, you can you can ask you can ask for guidance. You can um, you know what we miss is what we have received from our ancestors. We sort of, you know, we're so stuck because we notice the challenges, we notice the burdens. We don't always notice the gifts we have received. And sometimes it may be hard to see. It might be just, uh, you know, your sense of humor, your ability to work with your hands, to, um, you know, to make things grow, to paint, to draw, to sing. It, you know, you're, you have an analytical mind, you have artistic mind you know there are things that you do you might have a roof over your head so there are things that we inherit or receive from our ancestors but we don't think about it so much but we do focus on what we didn't receive when you create an altar you express your gratitude for what you have received and you also acknowledge the challenges and ask you know you can ask for guidance or blessings and sort of helping work through the challenges. And so in that sense, you can receive the support of your ancestors. And you're doing different things because all the rituals in other parts of the world are an expression of gratitude for the ancestors and prayers for the upliftment of their souls. That's really what's going on. I think a great uh, percentage of the people in the world actually do honor ancestors. It's just not generally something Western culture does. But everywhere else, whether it's Asia, Africa, South America, uh, that's always been part of the cultures and their spiritual tradition. Yes, and I think even in Western Europe, because, you know, the there is in Ireland, they have a festival. There's also the Festival of Samhain. So, you know, in Western Europe, there's All Saints, All Souls Day, All Saints Day. So it has existed everywhere, except, I, except I think, in North America. Hmm. Well, that's probably true. You know, I think one of the things you can be grateful for to your ancestors is that you're you're here. <laughs> you wouldn't be here without them, right? Yes, yes. Two, uh, you know, and Cheryl, in, in seven generations, that's 252 mothers and fathers that need to have existed for any one of us to be here today. So that's yeah. a lot of people who, you know, we owe our life on earth to. Whether we are comfortable or, you know, whether we like or dislike our life, um, it's a huge debt of gratitude that we owe. It is. You know, one of the the uh, tools, the transformational tools that I've used is called timeline therapy. And it, it's a very powerful modality. And uh, what what happens in this process is uh, a person gets more relaxed. So you're kind of in this bit of a, you know, altered receptive place to the unconscious let's just say you're more in an alpha alpha brainwave pattern where you're receptive and in that process to uh, address an issue to heal an issue you know people are guided to where they first experienced that energy 
And uh, for some people, they traveled back however many generations, or they traveled back how many lifetimes. So all these pathways that were are open and available to us, and, and even in um, the work that I do with um, Emotion Code, it's, it's very much talking about the uh, possibilities that the origin of the energy that you're wanting to shift goes back to your ancestral lineage. So it's, it, is, it is appearing in more and more therapies these days, isn't it? And you write about family constellation work, which I've done a little bit of. That's also part of accessing these energies. Yeah, I I mean, this is another thing that we sort of accept that time is linear and we grow up to believe it. And more and more, you know, this idea is becoming prevalent that time is nonlinear and you can access, um, you can access information. And I think, you know, really what we access is the emotion, the emotion that travels through time because if the one, if there's one thing that has sort of stayed unchanged through, you know, thousands of years, it's uh, our emotions. We, you know, still experience the same emotion, and emotions are the same all over the world. So they become a pathway on which we can travel mm-hmm. through time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's exactly, exactly how um, the you know, my understanding of timeline therapy works. You're, you're traveling on the emotional passageway or highway to uh, an origin of when that emotion was first experienced and and not resolved. Mm, yes, yes. Because that's what transgenerational patterns are um, and transgenerational burdens specifically is the energy of unresolved emotions. And oftentimes, you know, our ancestors want to make amends, but they cannot, and they can only do it through us. So we become the portal for healing to happen. That's so profound when you think about it, that what you just said, so profound. And, um, you know, that we are that portal for these possibilities of healing, not just for us, but for these energies that have been existing in our ancestral lines for generations and generations. And, and, you know, when we talk about our ancestors, you know, know, I I do lots of reading and looking at um, different cultures and historical, I, I love the history and history of humanity and what's gone on, and I just, it takes me down different paths. And one of the one of the things that really has come to my awareness is that most of us in our ancestral lineage, if it's not directly us, um, have experienced trauma. We've experienced there's some there's been so many wars where millions of people have died in just one war throughout time. You know, our our history on this planet is a warring history. And as a result, you know, there's been so much terror and so much heartache and so much grief that we've carried within us from these lineages. It's, uh, you know, when you when you look at history and most of the wars that existed, we don't we never really even studied. Right, and the only when you get yeah. into it, you see how mm-hmm. these cultures have battled each other all over the world for you know thousands of years. We're yeah. all dealing with some degree of trauma, and I guess even nine eleven when when you experienced that, that activated the trauma, right, of chaos mm-hmm. and horrible mm-hmm. things happening. Um, yes, 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 and. Uh, and probably that was trauma that resided in my family history because, um, um, you know, I know that my my father's family, um, the first mutiny against the mutiny against the British happened in his hometown in 1857. Mm. Um, so I know that, and also um, where my which, mother which resulted in. Anu, which resulted in a terrible retribution. Yes, yes. And now that part of my father's history is not um, 
uh, is not available to me, but I know that that's, um, my father's from that town. So um, I, I don't know what happens. Sometimes it's come up in constellation work, but I cannot tell you that I personally have any knowledge of history of that, of my family at that time. So it's interesting right? that this trauma resides in us. And I think, you know, the other thing, Cheryl, is I feel this is the other thing, um, you know, like you talked about life, you know, how, learning how to navigate life. Trauma is a part of life. We cannot protect our children from it. We cannot protect ourselves from it. But we have to, when we do the inner work, it's just that our capacity to hold life's challenges increases. Um, our capacity to grow from trauma, because there is something like post-traumatic growth as well. So our capacity to grow through it increases. That's the, you know, that's the positive side of it. We learn the lessons we came here to learn. We evolve and we become more human, if anything, you know. Um, and that's really, we find the essence of what it is to be human. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's an amazing journey. As you're talking, I, I just was remembering a quote, um, from a documentary. The end of the documentary, they had a quote from Gabor Mate, and he has done a lot of work as a, a doctor mm -hmm. and, uh, really, the spiritual teacher who's done a lot of work with trauma, and he goes, we all have suffering. But if we didn't believe that there was something beyond suffering, we wouldn't bother to do anything about the suffering. We just <laughs> accept it, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and he, you know, that's what he talks about, I guess, is the wisdom of trauma. And that, you know, when you're going through it, that sense of hope, and, you know, coming back to it, it's the hardest love you carry for yourself, for the world, you know, for bringing a child into the world, for the hope, you know, of everything. It's what keeps us all alive. So let's go back to uh, to your book while we have time before the end of the show, because I want you to talk about the book, you know, what it's what. You know, the gifts that you are sharing in your book that can really be of value to people so people can appreciate your, you know, your hard work and your inspiration that created it and, um, you know, encourage them to pick up a copy because it's very profound. You know, Heal Your Ancestral Roots, which is the name of your book. It's also HealYourAncestralRoots.com is the website. It's such, uh, it's filled with so much profound wisdom and strategies and tools so just share a little bit about that process in the book and what your intention is for people when they read your book yeah um so i think you know there's i think the book can be summarized in this african proverb which says um when you cut your chains you free yourself when you cut your roots you die. And I think we all have a tendency to cut our roots and forget that we really need to cut our chains. So the book is really a roadmap or a guide to the journey that we are all on. And the journey is, you know, of identifying the ancestral patterns that are burdening us. And it's a roadmap or a guide as to how to identify them and release them so that you can actually do what you came here to do. You can recognize um, this is who I am, but what I've been carrying was projected onto me. It isn't me. And you can start to reclaim your power to create the life you want. And so that's the journey I take the reader on to understand how their family history has shaped them, the price they're paying for being sort of a victim of that and how to release it and how to reclaim your power to create the life you want. And that really is the, the, the promise for all of us is that no matter how challenging life may be at any one moment, that we can create 
the life we truly want. But we have to incorporate more awareness. We have to put the um, effort in and, and create new strategies. And and that's what I love about your book, Anu. You, you know, you give people an understanding. You give people some strategies. I mean, if nothing else, for those of you listening, what do you have to lose if you create an altar and just acknowledge some time to your ancestors and, and for the blessings you've received and for gratitude. What you know, we have nothing to lose, right? <laughs> Try it. The no. understanding <laughs> we, we we never even got into the flower essences part of it, but you know, it's all about releasing uh, the the emotions that keep us trapped and opening us up to a, a higher frequency of more love, joy and gratitude. So there, there are all these wonderful resources more than ever before, <laughs> I think. Uh you know in the history of humanity, <laughs> whatever, that we have these many tools and many resources, and it doesn't cost anything to make an altar. It doesn't cost you anything, just some time. And that could no. be life transforming. Yes, so, uh, and a, a lot of my clients report, I know I was going to say a lot of my clients report like a great sense of peace when they create a, a process of honoring their ancestors. It brings a lot of peace into their life. And if you can't start with your parent or grandparent, you can start with the lineage further back. You don't need to know anybody. You know, the prayers that I have in the book for the ancestors are just simply to my maternal lineage or to my paternal lineage. It doesn't have to be to anyone in particular. I want to say this really quickly. When I was doing a a plant medicine experience, I was really tuning into my mother's lineage, my maternal lineage, and there were a lot of very wounded, they're all wounded women, all abandoned wounded women. And I just felt the grief and the sadness, and I just was in this process. And um, what I noticed when I came out of that profound healing, uh, because I had no idea I was going to go into that space, um, what happened was that I actually opened up my voice and I could sing. I could carry a tune. I was always sad. I could never carry a tune. I was one of these people that, you know, just just could never carry a tune. And after that, uh, I discovered that I was able to to sing. So so many profound things happen when we do this. Um, uh, One question, Anu, do you work with people virtually in your practice? Uh, Yes. Yes. Um, On Zoom. I usually do the work on Zoom. And I do so, workshops for them in the Boston area. Okay. So uh, so you're in the Boston area, but if people want to uh, follow up and do some work with Anu, just go to healyourancestralroots.com, and they can find you there. And um, we're at the end of the show, Anu, but thank you so much. It was a wonderful conversation, so inspiring. And thank you for all the the hard work you've done on yourself and and putting this book together and the journey that you've been on. Um, Just, you know, blessings to you and all the wonderful healing work you're doing in the world. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. And also, I just want to say, uh, there's a PDF on my website that people can download for a list of key essences to support them in their relationships. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so you want to get that PDF of the flower essences to help with emotional healing. And, again, it's healyourancestralroots.com. You'll find it there on on these websites. So, again, thank you all for joining me. Always an inspiring conversation is to be found here on The Love Code. So I trust you'll be with me every week. And until next week, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now.